Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Happy New Year to all of you. Welcome to 2017 and back to these podcasts. Hope you all had a restful and blessed holiday season. I did, and I'm looking forward very much to um, spending uh, time with you via these podcasts and other ways that we can connect too. So we are starting off our new year here at Urban Village talking about the good life, or actually the title of this sermon series is The Good Enough Life, and I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. But first, let me read the scripture that we'll be using for this uh, particular sermon slash podcast. It comes from the book of Matthew. This is uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, known as the Beatitudes. So here are these words. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So I think I've probably said in various times, particularly in January every year, New Year's Day is always one of my favorite days of the year because I am a sucker for clean slates and fresh starts. I always like using new notebooks, opening up a new calendar or a new journal. I also kind of like resolutions to think about what can I do this year to improve my life. So, for example, I was reading a column the other day by Eric Zorn, who writes for the Chicago Tribune. And a couple of years ago, he proposed this uh, experiment of sorts, a trial, wherein people would give 10 minutes a day to something to improve themselves. So that could be writing a book or a play, knitting a sweater, painting, singing, scrapbooking, whatever it was that you wanted to accomplish. He was saying, if you just allot 10 minutes a day you will make significant progress on that. And he thought this was uh, ideal because if you go more than 10 minutes, people begin to think, well, they may do it for a few days, but say if it's a half hour a day, then they may not be able to stick with it. But 10 minutes a day, many people would say, well, I think I could handle that. 10 minutes I can handle. And he would then go through the different examples that people would share with him that they were able to do it and sometimes would give more than 10 minutes a day. And so I like that article. I like that column. And so I picked it up. And this year, I'm going to maybe try to advance my Spanish uh, acumen, which is limited. I took a year in high school and a year in college. But I'm before signing up for any classes, uh, I'm going to start with this app, a fairly popular app called Duolingo. And so far, so good into 2017. I'm taking about 10 minutes a day and, and going through that. So resolutions, wanting to improve a different part of your life. There's nothing wrong with doing this per se, but it also 
can be perhaps a little harmful if it goes unchecked or it could lead to some troubling conclusions, could get out of hand to where it may be self-improvement on steroids. Whereas they, people may think, I have to fix this thing in my life. And if I don't fix it, then there's something wrong with me. And so they take self-improvement to the point where they're really emphasizing the, the self and they think it's only about me. And if they don't follow through with this, then it may get to the point where they feel like I'm, I'm a failure or I'm broken or I'm less than complete and I need to improve myself in order to be less broken. I need to do these things in order to attain this mythical American quote-unquote good life, whatever that is. And then if you are a person of faith... Believing and striving for these things, striving for the self-improvement, wanting the good life to do these things in order to achieve this good life, may seep into our faith, thinking that we have to self-improve in order to win God's notice or favor or forgiveness. So again, I wanted to explore this notion of goodness and the good life over the next four weeks and to offer an alternative. Rather than thinking about the good life... What does it mean to have the good enough life? So what do I mean by that? Well, it's interesting. Every year at Urban Village, probably the biggest jump in worship attendance is in the month of January. Now, two of the churches that I served before, both in the suburbs, December was always a big month for those particular churches, for folks who were coming because of Advent or Christmas. But at Urban Village, our attendance kind of goes down a bit in December, mainly because I think we... Um, have a younger audience. We have a lot of young adults who come here and they may be going off to going home because they're on break or or various reasons. But not January. January, there's an uptick uh, of people who come and that's understandable, I think. People may want to grow in their faith. It's a new year. They like, like me, they like fresh starts. And so if you are listening to this podcast today, you're one of those people. Welcome. Really glad that you are exploring this and wondering if maybe 2017 is a year for you to see about how you can be introduced to the faith or grow in your faith. So I always think it's a good idea in January then to explore the notion of what it means to be human. What does it mean to be you? What does it mean to be me? And I think it makes sense to do this in January, not just because more people are attending and thinking about resolutions, but also we're coming off the Christmas season where we explore this funny theological word called incarnation, meaning God made flesh in Jesus, God becoming one of us, God wearing the same skin that you and I wear. So what does that mean? What does incarnation mean? Well, in addition to think about this in the lenses of Christmas, I also find the creation story helpful in the book of Genesis. So for example, Genesis 2, 7 says this, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Let me read that again. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So this is the dichotomy of what it means to be human. On the one hand, we're made from dust, the text tells us. So that means we're made flesh, we're earth. That also means we're limited. So if you're listening to this today thinking I'm, I'm broken, I'm, I'm less than, I'm 
here to say that, yes, you are, and so am I, it means we're human. We will screw up. In theological language, we call that sin, separation from God. So in the Older Testament of the Bible, there are three words, three Hebrew words that are used for this notion of sin. The most commonly used word is called chata'ah, which means to miss the mark. So to be to be made from dust, to be human, means that we miss the mark, that we're, we're broken, that we're not always going to get it right, no matter how many self-improvement articles we read or classes that we take. Now, on the other hand, part of the beauty of Genesis 2-7 is that, yes, we are made from dust, we are human, we are broken, we will mess up, but we are also breathed into ourselves the breath of life. We are receiving this breath of life from God, this sacred breath. So we have these two things going on for each of us. What does it mean to be human? It means to be limited, broken, sinful, but it also means that we have the capability to be sacred, to do amazing and beautiful things. We have this these two things going on in each of our bodies. And that brings us to the Beatitudes, which highlight the fact that something is wrong. Now, what do I mean by this? I'm going to read this again from the Beatitudes, and I want you to listen to this. And I'm, this time I'm going to read it from a different or translation, a more contemporary translation called The Message. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read the, the first parts of each of these verses. So in the text I read earlier from the New Revised Standard Version, it starts off, Blessed are you who, and it would go on. So I'm only going to read those parts of it in this different translation. So I want you to, if you're listening to this uh, out of your computer or on headphones, if you're in a place and can just kind of close your eyes and take it in, and then pay attention to whether you fit in any one of these areas. So here is this translation. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. You're blessed when you care. You're blessed when you get inside, when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. So you can open your eyes now if you close them. And I would imagine as you listen to all of these states of being that you can probably put yourself into one of these, if not more than one. So have you ever felt like you've been at the end of your rope you can't be human and not at some point in your life feel like you're at the end of your rope. Have you ever felt like you've lost what is most dear to you? Now, going back to the first version of this text that I read, the New Revised Standard Version, it says, blessed are those who mourn. And when we think about that word mourn, it means to um, feel the loss or sadness of having a loved one die or pass away. And that's part of it. But in the context which just was written, the first century... This word mourn really means to recognize that the, the way the world is, is far from what God desires, far from God's purposes. So if you've lost what's most dear to you, it's not just losing a loved one. It's also losing a sense of what I thought my world, my country, my city was all about, that 
where that direction that they're going is not the direction where God desires it. That's what it means to mourn. That's what it means to, to lose what's most dear to you. Have, have you ever felt that way? Some of you may feel like you, you have worked up a good appetite for God, and I'm grateful for that. Or maybe some of you, your commitment to God has provoked persecution or conflict, maybe at work or in your family. So there are many states here of being that Jesus is outlining. And I think it's important to, to pay attention to this and to listen to this. These are, and I'm going to use another kind of fancy theological combination here and reading a lot of commentaries this week, it talks about that these beatitudes are indicatives, not imperatives. Now, what do I mean by that? It means that it indicates a way of being. It is not a list of resolutions for you to try to attain. That's not what the Beatitudes are. The Beatitudes are spelling out, this is the way things are. It indicates something. It indicates that some people are at the end of their rope. It indicates that some people are feeling like they've lost what's most dear to them. It indicates that some people are persecuted for what they believe. It indicates that some people have a good appetite for God, and so on. These are not, again, this is not a list of resolutions saying that you must do these things in order to win God's favor. And this is what I want to get at. Because this is indicative, meaning it indicates something, it means that this is the way people are in their lives. And then to remember this, if you feel like you're at the end of your rope or if you feel like you've, you've lost everything, it tells us that you are blessed. And to to be blessed in this context means, one thing it means, it means shalom, that word, you may know that word, peace, well-being. Now, we may think that blessedness means that we have to do something in order to gain blessedness. We may think of the Beatitudes and we believe that if I do these things, that blessed are those who have their act together. Blessed are those who pray all the time. Blessed are those who understand the scriptures. Blessed are those who love selflessly. And then, so we do these things and then we receive the blessing. But that's not what the Beatitudes say. It says we receive favor no matter what part of our lives we are in. So, a few days ago, uh, we came to the conclusion and looking at the fact that our refrigerator wasn't working anymore, that it had uh, ended its long run in our home. And so we had to go out and buy a new refrigerator, which was kind of a daunting task because certainly the expense and also trying to figure out what would fit in our dimensions in our kitchen and so on. And so we finally found one and were uh, went to the counter to pay for it and the sales representative there. And I was, wasn't really paying attention because I was just kind of thinking thinking in my mind about when it would be delivered and so on. And we bought it at an uh, independent uh, business. We didn't buy it at a chain. And so he started talking about the advantage of, because we were buying it from this independent businessman, that we would have these uh, uh, advantages. And he was talking about the coverage that we would receive because of it. And I thought, well, this is great. I felt good about myself. I felt good about this purchase. And then at the end, he said something to the effect of, after five years, if nothing has gone wrong, you will receive half back in store credit. And I was like, what's he talking about? And then I realized he had been going through what an extended warranty would entail for us. Like if we paid extra, then we would receive additional coverage. 
And I think probably most of you know, if you've bought any kind of appliance or any kind of big purchase, that extended warranty is one thing these days that businesses will offer to us. I'm not here today to say pro-con on the extended warranty, but I think sometimes we think about that as uh, our faith lives, thinking what we have is not quite enough. I need to do something extra in order to get full coverage. The fact that we are dust, broken, limited, that's not enough for God to love me or to receive blessedness or to receive shalom, peace. I have to do something else and then I will receive those things. I have to do these things and then I'll get the good life. What I have now is not enough. I have to do these other things and then finally I will arrive and then God will fully love me and all kinds of opportunities will put themselves before me. But that's not the way faith works. The Beatitudes point out to us that no matter where we are, we are blessed. Even when we're at the end of our rope, because often when we are at the end of our rope and we don't know where else to go, we don't know where else to reach out, that's often the time, or can be the times when we say, well, I've got nowhere else to go, I'm going to try God. And not to say that God is the magic elixir that will make everything better, but in my experience, and in hearing the stories of others, that's the time when we realize that, huh, I've tried everything else. Let me try God. And we realize that God is there. And this is really good news. That we have a good enough life. That we don't have to do all of these things in order to receive blessing, in order to receive shalom, in order to receive favor from God. And I think we just need to sit with this. So even though we are at a time of the year, and I, like I said before, I'm, I'm all on board with resolutions and doing these new things and clean slate and all these things. Like, what can I do in order to, to improve myself this year? And at times, we just jump ahead to this and we read scripture. We do something like, I want to do these things. And we don't just sit with the good news. We don't sit with the fact that we're blessed. We don't sit with the fact that when we're at the end of the rope, that God is there for us and with us and that we have a good enough life. We keep wanting to strive and do more. And so, friends, for, for my hope for you, this week at least, and not be honest, just to sit with this good news. Don't worry about killing yourself, about trying to win God's favor. Like, do these five things in order to turn your life around. Just sit with the fact that there is blessedness in your life. No matter where you fall, no matter how you identify with these list of Beatitudes, sit with that. Just sit with that and receive this and be grateful. That's hard to do because we want to keep on striving, right? So I've told this story too before. I told it a few years ago and I've told it uh, in various circles. And in fact, like the book that's coming out uh, that I wrote in this year will have this story in it too. So my apologies for it. But um, I'd always comes to mind when I think about uh, the Beatitudes or think about um, blessedness. So I think many of you know I'm a runner and so for, and I've run some marathons in my day. And so for marathoners, one of the big uh, jewels to run in is the Boston Marathon. And I was fortunate enough to qualify several years ago. And so in 2005, I ran the Boston Marathon. Now, what happened that leading up to the marathon is I got hurt, and so I didn't have the base of training that I normally do. So I went into it thinking I can't go out too fast because I'm I'm not equipped to do it. So I just 
took it easy. Just take it easy. Just enjoy it. And so I was able to do that for about the half, first half of the marathon and feeling pretty good. But what happens sometimes when I run a race is that I feel pretty good. And then I keep thinking I can go even faster, forgetting that there's a lot, especially for a marathon, there's a lot more to go, a lot farther to go. So I started going faster. And then about mile 16, I just I just hit that wall. I mean, just really crashed into that wall to the point where I was walking and running and jogging and walking and then walking and jogging and then walking, walk, walking until about mile 20 or 21, I finally had to just sit down at a Red Cross tent and just thinking, I, I can't do it. Now, one thing I didn't mention is that before I even started this race, I noticed that some people were having people write their names on their arms in black magic marker. And at first I wondered, why are you writing your name on your arm? And they were doing it so that people along the race would call out your name, encouragement. I thought, well, that's a good idea. So I had them write my name, black magic marker across my arm, Christian. So as I'm running along, and it was like at mile 20 or 21, I thought, I just don't know if I can go any further. And in fact, the Red Cross people are saying, I don't know if you should, you should probably call it a day. And I thought, no, I'm not, I gotta, gotta strive. I gotta do, I gotta excel. I gotta do all these things. And as I'm going along and people started calling out my name, calling out my name. And I finally staggered across the finish line and was so much slower, so much slower than I normally did. And for me, I was a little discouraged by that. But then I was also thinking I'd finished And then a few days after the race, I was feeling these mixed emotions of not running very fast, but also finishing. And the interesting thing was, is that that name that was on my arm, because it was such a hot, it was a warm April day, a really warm day. And what had happened was the sun, I got a sunburn on my arms, but the black magic marker, the ink served as a sunblock of sorts. And so when the ink washed away, my name could still be seen as the, my pale skin against the redness of the burn around me. So even though that had washed away, it was still a reminder to me of the people who were calling out to me, who were encouraging me and re- reminding me of who I was. And that lingered. And that's what helped me realize this was something more than just running a race. It was more than just feeling discouraged about running a slow time. And that has always stayed with me. And I, that's what I want all of us to remember, that no matter where we are in these states of being in our lives, no matter where we place ourselves in this whole question of what does it mean to be me? What does it mean to be human? And if we're discouraged with ourselves, and if we're discouraged that we're not further along, if we're not living the good life, that we will remind ourselves and know that we are blessed that God is there for us, that we have shalom, that we have peace, that we have love, that God calls out to us and we are reminded of that even when other things wash away and all that we are left with is who we are and who God knows us to be. And that is enough, friends. That is a good enough life. We will never ever attain this mythical good life. We'll never achieve enough resolutions. We'll never have a high enough performance review. We will never get a high enough academic degree. We will never make enough money to really get to the point where we say, I have arrived. Because there will be moments when you feel like we're at the end of our rope. 
And there are moments where we'll feel like we have lost everything. And those are the moments where God will speak to us if we listen and say, it is enough. You are blessed. I am with you. Friends, may we sit with that and may we treasure the fact that we have this good enough life. Amen. Thank you for listening today. And again, I hope that 2017 has gotten off to a blessed start for you. As always, please feel free to reach out to me, chris at urbanvillagechurch.org or Twitter. I'm at Christian Kuhn. Always happy to reach out to you and connect in various ways. And um, this month, I think I am pretty much preaching every Sunday. So there'll be podcasts coming um, every week for you. So until next week, may the peace of Christ be with you. Be thou my wisdom and thou my truth.